Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I'm Adam. Uh, and we are here again for a catch-up of what we've been watching in the last six weeks, which is going to be a real trial of remembrance because <laughs> it's been six or seven weeks since I watched some of it, so I've very possibly <laughs> forgotten all and every detail. Very quick piece of housekeeping before we roll into that. Uh, good friend of the show, Lord Al, um, has been mm. unwell recently. He's had some uh, health issues, uh, but he is, we're glad to say, on the mend and has been getting good news. So, uh, Excellent. yeah, so we just wanted to send our solidarity and um, he watched The yeah. Devil Rides Out today, which made me very happy. Yes. Get well soon, Alex. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would also fuck Paul Weller, but we'll you can pass on that fuck one. Fuck Paul Weller? Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, just just because he's got a shit haircut. I hate his music. Um, and he said in an interview the other day, I don't follow the news, but I log into Yahoo for my emails. Um, and so you always get the th- the um. Uh, oh yeah, stories. stories. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he called Robert Smith a fat fuck and said he wanted to slap him. So. Mm. Uh, oh yeah, no, fuck you, Paul Weller. He also stinks of potatoes. Oh, does he? Yeah, Claire met uh, Claire saw him in a gallery once, standing his pompous mock mod ass in front of a fucking painting and not shifting. Uh, then she realised it was Paul Weller, but apparently it smelled like a greengrocer's, you know, that proper earthy potato smell. That's interesting. So, yeah. Yes, a bit like all of his fans, who you can definitely always find at any weather spoons on any day before two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> That's enough of rubbishing Paul Weller. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, we are going to run, as we always do, round in a circle of who's been watching what. So let's start today with Adam. You can kick Me it off. Yes. Um, first thing I'm going to mention is mostly because it's always nice to have a bit of horror you can watch with uh, the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, Netflix have got... Oh, we're going to have spoilers. Hey. Eh? Oh, oh, yes. yes. Spoilers and swearing, especially about that cunt Paul Well. <laughs> Lucky you got that in there. Well yeah. done. <laughs> Wouldn't want to have Thank you, Chris. anyone except Paul Weller. <laughs> um, yes, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, always nice to be able to watch horror with your family. And mm. um, there is on Netflix a film called Wendell and Wild. Yes, I'm so keen to see this, but I, on a drunken night out with a friend, said I wouldn't watch it until he came over and we watched it together, and we haven't had a chance to sit down yet, so it's burning a hole well, in my Netflix account. Well, it's very good. It's mm. the guy, it's directed by um, Henry Selick, who did Nightmare Before Christmas and uh. Coraline. And it's very much in that same, sort, especially Coraline, in that sort of dark vein. I mean, technically, it's for 12-year-olds. Teddy's four. But he's quite robust, and he's quite happy with the concept of reanimated corpses, demons, and ghosts being farted out of a giant devil's bum. Nice. So, and I tell you what, the fucking soundtrack's incredible as well. It's got, like, really? fucking... Mm. got the specials, X-ray specs, death... Nice. Um, living colour is just really, really fucking good. But basically, mm-hmm. um, it's technically it's Jordan Peele's latest film uh, yeah. because he wrote it with Henry Selick and Wendell and Wilde are two demons played by him and Keegan Michael Key. So essentially, you get the Key and Peele. It's, yeah. That, which is That's good. Brilliant. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, it's just a very good. Um, weird little tale of these two demons who's uh, who are connected to a hell maiden. That's what the mythology of it is. Uh, but this particular hell maiden is a girl whose parents died. It's very Roald Dahl in that sense, uh, in that it starts off with parents dying in a car. So that's, um, yeah, you know, you know, it has that sort of proper Roald Dahl feeling, as it were. Um, and then sort of she goes on to have a troubled life and she returns home to go to a girls' school as part of a sort of uh, programme, like second help, pro, second chance programme of like young offenders sort of thing. Um, but yeah, she ends up going to this school and, um, uh, but Wendell and Wilde contact her through the power of uh, uh, the fact they're tripping balls on 
their demon dad's hair restoring cream. Mm. Um, at, at the start of it, by the way, they live on the demon's head and are slowly adding plugs into his hair where he's worried that he's going bald. So he's <laughs> getting them to rejuvenate his hair. Um, but yeah, they contact her and say they'll um, resurrect her parents. And so she calls them up, but then there's a load of other sort of incidents that happens local within within like the local community. And you've got uh some like as well as Ken Peel, you've got um uh James Hong, you know, David Lopan, uh he's uh, he's in there, uh Ving Rains, uh Maxine Peake and David Harewood, who basically play um Trump in a Boris Johnson wig and Liz Truss. That is <laughs> seriously when you watch it, that's just what the puppets look like. And I know that animation takes ages to make, so I don't feel that the Liz Truss side of it is deliberate. <laughs> but it just happens to fucking be spot on. Um, but yeah, and that's Angela Bassett, and it's got some great music. It's got it's that nicely twisted sort of Coraline Nightmare Before Christmas kind of feel to it. Hmm. And um, and yeah, Ted loves it, and he's been liking the music as well, which is always fucking good. So um, yeah, that's 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 definitely my first up, and I won't go too far with it because I know if you want to watch it, Lee, Chris, I would also say it'd probably be worthwhile introducing mm. the little ones as well because i mean if they liked Coraline or anything like that um yeah very much in that vein it's really yeah, excellent good. yeah fantastic i should look forward to that chris what have you been watching i've been watching the witcher which oh yeah is a it's a based on books by a polish author called andrzej sapolsky um mm-hmm. i didn't realize that uh, but it's also based on a computer game, which I've never played. I have seen someone play it for about 20 minutes, and I thought it looked pretty good. There's a lot of magic and effects and lots of different creatures. And so since watching it, I've, I've understood a bit more. Um, it's essentially a world full of your normal kind of fantasy people and monsters, but then uh, you've also got... Uh, there was something called a conjunction of spheres which brought in other creatures of myth like vampires and werewolves um but then also some creatures from slavic myth i think um yeah no so so i've seen the first series and uh it it did remind me a little bit of the mandalorian in that the witcher essentially who is he's kind of a superhuman so that they're made from um it's like genetic uh, uh, mutation mm-hmm. along with some sort of uh, magic. And so it kind of gives them superhuman <clears throat> powers. But he's kind of going around um, helping people in the world, fighting monsters. That seems to be the main thing. Um, so, yeah, he's kind of a, a mercenary who doesn't seem to care about anything or anyone. And except when he starts to fall in love with someone, seemingly... Um, so, so yeah, it's it's like it's it's a good, good mix of uh, comedy, some dark bits. Some of the the episodes are a bit darker than others. Um, Very Game of Thrones. Yeah. So well, yeah, yeah, it's interesting that. So I suppose you would you would be tempted to compare it to that. Um, there are differences, mm. uh, I would say, and um, it's it's. I think it's more simple than Game of Thrones at the moment. Um, although there's an amount to learn, but I guess, yeah, with just the first season, they couldn't fit too much in. Um, but yeah, you know, it's the kind of thing I love. Um, supernatural, fantasy, magic, fighting. I vaguely remember uh, when I watched it, I brought it up in a, in a what we've been watching segment. Mm. Um, and I did rubbish it for the fact that the two main characters have got normal names with a letter changed out of them, and it felt like some of the laziest writing I've ever known. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course, there is Yennefer. And yes. Geralt. 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 Yeah, it's just, Print. yeah. I mean, I didn't hate it, but I when season two came up, I was like, it's definitely at the bottom of a long... If we get another lockdown and I end up in furlough again, I would have watched it. But as I didn't, I was never going to dedicate time to so it. I, so I suppose like, I, I'm, I'm definitely 
um, motivated to watch computer game based things. Saying that, I've never watched any Resident Evil films, but I've seen them all. I own them all, in fact, on Blu-ray. <laughs> but I would be tempted to. But I just, yeah, I kind of like it when they manage to make something that is, you know, it's at least watchable. But I don't know, for me, it, it definitely worked. I, I did find it was entertaining, funny, and I did quite like the characters. Um, but then I think as well, uh, it's the second thing I've seen with Henry Cavill. Yeah. And I really like him as an actor. Um, I think he looks great. And yeah, he just he does entertain me a lot. And so, and um, in fact, I did see uh, Enola Holmes. Oh um, yes, the second, second one. Film. Yeah, yeah, that, I haven't so... seen it yet, but it's on. It, that is on my list. Yeah, yeah. So I'm definitely going to watch that as well. So I, I mean, I don't know what else is he in. Have you seen him? In it? Oh, well, he's, he's Superman, Superman, isn't he? Yeah. Okay, I've not seen those. Does uh, he have the moustache in The Witcher? I think he's no. like stu- he's got like a stubble beard yeah. most of the time because he's uh, no, rugged, but not a moustache. Because yeah. I think it was Justice League; they had to pay a fortune to digitize out his moustache <laughs> because Maybe he it was a needed it for, for a, no. It's just he needed it for another role oh. or something. But they'd sort of there was like some conflict over it, and yeah, basically, sort of you know, a quarter of the budget, the CGI budget on that film was removing his moustache <laughs> i uh the thing what? the other thing that annoyed me about it was his voice he does this really over-the-top dramatic voice but having later heard the story behind the voice i actually quite liked it and kind of took a step back on it i thought it was really over the top but apparently that it was after they'd started filming or you know like he, he'd never intended to do that voice mm. and then he said backstage when they were sort of fannying about he did an impression of the voice of the character from the game and everyone went, oh no, that's great, uh, you should do that. Right, that's it. So he yeah. kind of had to stick with it despite the fact yeah. it was never a character choice that he made. So, yeah, so I kind of forgave him for that. I was like, oh, no, he did stick, see it through. I mean, he yeah. puts him higher in my estimation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it might be, um, talking about the, the moustache, it looks like he might have one later on. So it could have been from... Of season two, or yeah, and then well, three I think is coming out soon, so I don't know when that was filmed, but but yeah, I don't know. I, I will definitely continue to watch it and I will report back to let you know if I still like it. Excellent. I did hear that season two is meant to be better than season one. I might give it another. The thing is, it's I watched it when it first came out, which again is mm. like three years ago now, so okay. a bit like Game of Thrones, it's one of those, it's got lots of characters and lots of. Storylines and subplots, and I well, won't remember anything that. Well, yeah, no, that's true. Do you think? Do you think Netflix should change their name to "It Gets Good in the Second Season"? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Although, doesn't that happen with um or the the new Lord of the Rings, which I haven't watched yet? Um, I did hear that the first few episodes were not quite great, but then it does seem to have got better towards the end of the first season. But I don't know if either of you have. No, I haven't yet. No. Okay, I can't remember who said it. Um, it may it may have just been someone generally online rather than someone mm. you know like a, a known person, Trust, or trustworthy source. Yeah, but it was uh, basically it was along the lines of if you had a film called Dracula's Dracula Surf Demon, <laughs> it, you know the film would be great. Mm-hmm. But the Netflix series would be not you don't so see him by the surfball till episode seven. <laughs> yeah. And then he doesn't actually hit the water till episode ten as the fucking finale. <laughs> and then you've got to wait for series two for any Dracula surf action. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Um so skipping from Netflix to Disney Plus, uh, mm. I watched this year the Halloween release of Werewolf by Night. Um, was that the Marvel? Yes. Adjacent, isn't it? Or yes. I can't remember. So, and the awful thing is, I can't remember who told me, but there is a character which is in this, and I can't tell you anything without spoiling it if you haven't seen it yet. But there is a character that is in it that is apparently going to be, this is like their side, you know, like their standalone movie to introduce the character that they're going to mm-hmm. become later on in, in the actual series. Um I really liked it. I didn't think I was going to. Somebody showed me the trailer and I was like, this is the beast must die, but shit. 
That um, <laughs> was what I thought it was going to be. And it kind of isn't. So they get a load of hunters together. So the, there's like, um, and again, like we were saying, this is, I watched this when it came out, which was about a month ago now. So I'm mm. trying hard to remember it. Um, uh, the head of this kind of hunter's guild has died uh, and he has a magical stone and whoever wields this stone has supernatural powers. Uh, he has died. Uh, so they've got all these hunters together and released a creature and whoever kills the creature will get the stone and become the new head of this hunter's the assassination guild or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all in black and white. It feel it does feel a lot like a sort of uni- an old universal style feel. It's all in black and white apart from the red. So the stone is red and the red of the blood is all in colour and the rest of it. So it's a bit sort of Sin City. Um or, or, or Schindler's List, but probably not quite not yeah, quite not the same <laughs> sort of yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, I thought it was really good. It 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 yeah, it was entertaining enough. Uh, there were enough tw- uh, twists and plot turns in it. It wasn't very long. I seem to remember it only being an hour and a quarter or something. It's fairly short. Um, but yeah, it was really good. It had a really good cast. It had a fantastic actor in it who played like this grizzled old Scotsman, except the actor is from uh, LA. So his Scottish accent may have passed in Hollywood, uh, but it definitely did not hear. Is he uh, a bit groundskeeper, Willie? Yeah. And it just <laughs> yeah. kept going for a walk every now and again. It was like he kept forgetting <laughs> he was supposed to be doing it. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it didn't detract from it. It was a, it was still good, and I enjoyed it. So it's well worth a watch. Um, well, actually, a, a, a dodgy Hollywood interpretation of a British Isles accent uh, feels very universal horror as well. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. It was, it was good. It was good fun. It was like you were saying. It was, it all felt very dark. But then they, they put in those Marvel comedic moments that sort of lighten it. And the very end scene is kind of hilarious. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's well worth a watch. It's, it's, it was a good Halloween viewing. It was one that we managed to squeeze in on our run up to Halloween. And I'm, I'm glad I did. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, if you haven't watched it, it's on Disney plus it's well worth your time. And you don't need any, it's not heavily linked. Marvel-wise, no, no. it's a, if, if anything, it's a setup for something that will happen later. Yeah, so it works as a right, standalone okay. thing, but it introduces a character who is then going to turn up in the the kind of extend in in the, the oh, main right, Marvel okay. movie. Somebody was telling me, but hmm. I say over a month ago, it, there's a lot of drinking goes on at Halloween. So uh, <laughs> yeah, so don't hold me to that, but that's definitely what I've been told. But yeah, go and check it out; it's well worth your time. Uh, Adam, back to you, my old son. Uh, I think next next one on my list is uh, finally after some panic that it wasn't going to come out over here, we got to see the new Hellraiser mm. or Hellraiser 2022 or Hulu Hellraiser, whatever you want to use as a tip. Because I'm getting the fuck of this. It's like, stop <laughs> just calling them the same fucking thing, you pricks. I know why you're doing it. I know why you're fucking doing it. Don't talk to me about algorithms, you pricks. But, um, yeah, uh, the new uh, Hellraiser from uh, David Bruckner, mm. who I was I was trying to remember what else he'd done, and um, one of his things was The Ritual, oh, which obviously, okay. you know, cracking yeah. fucking film that is. Quite, quite um, fairly different. Yes. Oh, definitely, film. yeah. Yeah. But the um, and um, yeah, the uh, I have to say, I think it was as as probably the resident Hellraiser obsessive. Mm. Um, yeah, it was fucking good. Yeah, it was a good. I'm just going to put it in as finally we've had a decent fucking just story like a uh, film out of the the sort of extension of the Hellraiser franchise, mm. which really bottomed out after number four. Yeah. And and a lot of people fucking hate that. So it's sort of, <laughs> you know, that's that's not saying much. But I think, yeah, it was just a good um you had interesting stuff in there and like sort of that felt true to what we'd seen set up in those original 
three, like in the original sort of trilogy yeah. of films, um, and some great adaptions of that, like the bit where uh, someone gets taken in the back of a van, and it's still that thing of the walls sliding open and mm. out from another dimension, and they just got pulled away into <laughs> an extended length of van, and then they disappeared, and it was like that's just yeah, some sort of cracking. Bits like that, yeah. Now, d- does that happen in the original? In the original, in the original, its walls tend to move apart. Okay. Um, and that's usually sort of, but it's usually within buildings and stuff like that. So, yeah. it's sort of, well, that, you yeah. know, it's in a weird way. It's like, oh, is it? You try and sort of rationalise it. Of are these a wall that's adjacent in another dimension or? But yeah, when once you've done it like that, I think it's like no, this is that's a proper no escape. It's just yeah. yeah. And, so in the in the later um, movies, that's when they start to extend. They get longer. More the, than... the the later movies. I think the trouble is the later movies. The majority of which do suffer from a guy writes a horror film and then they say we can get this made if you put Pinhead in it. Mm, yeah, and okay. we'll call it Hellraiser. Yeah, and but this actually felt like you were trying to use it. Basically, it started as a Hellraiser movie mm. when someone was writing it, and I think that's the important thing. Okay, yeah. pretty much after Bloodline, they're not. No, I think you're right. I think after that, they were just a horror movie with Pinhead as the kind mm. of protagonist, whereas this felt like it built on that mythology and took the actual essence of the story and expanded it. And as you say, Adam, mm. it sort of included the Leviathan from the second movie yes. and stuff. And it sort of drew all of that in and gave it a story. Cause yeah, that was never quite explained what Leviathan was or what it had to do with the box. So it kind of put more background into that. And it, yeah, it did. It mm. felt like an extension of the, so, the original movie. Like taking some elements, some of the best elements from yeah, and, and just and just treating it as into sort of an original. Yeah, because I think basically what would happen is is that I think a lot of the films that they sort of made, like the the sort of later sequels, they were probably films where it was like, you know, at the end of an anthology film where the guy who's been telling you the stories turns out to be the devil. Yeah, which is like half of them, mm. pretty much. I think it was kind of like that. And then they just said, yeah, but if you make the devil, if, he's, if when he turns around, he hasn't got horns and a goatee, he's got pins all in his head, then we can make it as a Hellraiser movie. And it felt kind of, whereas this actually was like, oh no, this is exploring, you know, how this propagates itself different. And like the fact they added the different elements of, we've always known the box as the lament configuration, but then it turns out that that is its one form and it can be another form, which is a different configuration and so on and so forth. Mm. And yeah, I think they just did some interesting stuff in there. I think the new pinhead was good. I don't, yeah, you know, really, really good. And because you're not trying to wake Doug Bradley, you're mm. doing something different with it. And it's sort of, yeah, and I, I liked I liked the Cenobites. I think they've obviously they've moved away from the they've moved away a bit from the black leather thing. But I mean, nowadays, so many people are pierced and tattooed, and compared to nineteen eighty seven when yeah. they made the film, it's you know when they made the first film, it's not an unusual look anymore. So they've sort of moved around that, and sort of, like I said, you know, moving into other areas with the Cenobites that it's. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and, I th- and they had some interesting Cenobites, which is always the lovely sort of Pokemon collect them all <laughs> element of Hellraiser as well, where you're just like, well, I need to know the name of that one. Um, uh, unless it's number three, in which case it's like, well, the one with the piston in his head. Yeah, it's called Piston Head. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only thing that did irk me slightly, and it, it is a plot point, but it, it definitely, knowing it doesn't spoil the film. So mm. the... It basically turns out that if you manage to use the box correctly, you can ask for something and you will be granted anything you ask for. And the guy who had it previously asked for sensation. 
It's a bit fucking abstract. Like, surely yeah. you ask for, like, a sensation could be anything. You could just stub your toe and you go, well, there you go. That was a sensation. You, go, yeah. you went through all that and that was all you got, you know, or someone comes up and tickles you. Like, it's a little, you'd want something a bit more, you know, they just wings give, they, or... They could give him a bottle of shadazzle. It's a cleaning <laughs> sensation. You know, it's it's quite ridiculous. What I a think, shit no, wish. Well, not only that, but also... It's like, fucking hell, mate, if you've been studying all this, you ever heard of Faust? Yeah. You ever seen Bedazzled? <laughs> you have to be fucking pretty specific with these fuckers or they will mess with you. Yeah, proper wishmaster. Like, it's 101 with this gin stuff. You, you know, yeah, you exactly. know better, but yeah. Also, also, I have to say, I mean, I I thought that Odessa uh, Azion as Riley, like the main character, was really good. Mm. But right at the start, I thought she was... Um, Finn McMissiles from Stranger yeah. Things. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because, yeah. again, it was just like, oh, bloody hell, this geezer's everywhere. <laughs> that is uh, slightly disconcerting. Oh, but she was outstanding, actually. I was Because <laughs> yeah. at first it was one of those, I was like, I've got a horrible feeling this is going to be one of those characters who I'm supposed to be rooting for, but and I am going to hate. But really. actually, yeah, yeah she, she did kind of... Despite her many flaws, she actually was quite a good character, and and you, you were definitely on her side all the way through. See, I think that's a, that's because that's the thing is she wasn't made a likable character, but you liked her. Yeah, mm. you know, but they they didn't do anything to sort of endear you to the character. You know, she was quite. Sort I of... suppose you, you had some sympathy for her. she was chaotic. And oh, you, you you've got sympathy like, for her, but in a weird yeah. way, you've got more sympathy for the brother who's trying to. Well, try, yeah. you know, risk it. <laughs> yeah, you know, spoiler alert. Yeah, that's that's that for it. <laughs> he, ain't, he ain't coming back. And yeah, it's just. Um, but no, I just thought it was like just. I mean, fuck me. If this had been number five, back in the mm, day, yeah. this would have still been at. This would have still been shown at the cinema. This so, would have yeah. been, yeah. So now, as the resident obsessive, what is it that makes you watch each one? Is it the hope that it's always that the hope will... that they'll be better? <laughs> it's it's like it's like if you it's like it's like a band, you know. You, you're you're just... hoping that their next album is not going to be shit. Yeah, <laughs> um, and sometimes it is, and you have to say, well, maybe maybe we've come to a full <laughs> stop here, guys. Mm. Um, and certainly, I mean, there's there's a, there's a Hellraiser I've still not seen just because I haven't. Basically, I want to see it, but I want to sh- see it when they show it on the Horror Channel or something. I'm not fucking, yeah. I'm not spending money from what I've heard about it. Um, you've, you've done your so, duty. Yeah, I, I, but, but everything else I've seen. And, I mean, Judgment like was pretty good. But, again, I think that just suffered from a smaller budget and everything else like that that they couldn't. They couldn't really give you a story because they couldn't afford cannon fodder, yeah. which is kind of, you know, so like you do need a few people. To... And actually, the one thing I will say is, I mean, I like to say, I still think it's an absolutely, it's a really strong entry in Hellraiser. But it's interesting that the more you look at it, Clive Barker was probably right that Julia should have been the monster. Hmm. Because as it drifts further from that initial story, you know, and fascinated as I am by, you know, the, the mythology of the Cenobites and Leviathan and everything else like that, Hellraiser, the original Hellraiser works because you've actually got that really fucked up plot in it that has almost mm. nothing to do with the Cenobites. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. And I think, yeah, there's a sort of, it's a weird thing, but the one thing that they've never sort of managed to replicate is just that sheer pervy kink of the first two films. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's sort of just a bit sort of like, Ugh. So, so is that what's what you kept watching them all? <laughs> the, the pervy kink. <laughs> I mean, it's I don't know. I, but I'm going to say I'm going to say you watching them all is almost like mirroring the film itself. It's proper sadomasochism. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh believe, believe me, there are I'm times when you sit out, there and you fucking yeah. question your what you're doing with your time. Yeah, you I know. did. Yeah, I did the same. I said at one point I was going to sit down and watch them all. Um, <laughs> And not. yeah, by like the sixth one, I was like, I can't face another two. And I soldiered on and I was like, 
that was a massive kick in the balls. Like I don't, I don't and the worst bit is I don't even remember anything about them. Yeah. So mm. I might as well have just not bothered. There's there's a the, one of the, one of the late ones called Deader is kind of okay. But what in a weird way, I'm annoyed that it's a Hellraiser movie because I'd imagine it'd have been it was better before Not, they yeah, said put Pinhead yeah, in yeah. and make it a Hellraiser movie. Um and similarly, yeah, Hellraiser Six, I think that was the proper comic book guy. Oh, I've wasted my life <laughs> at the end of it. It was just like, oh fucking hell no. <laughs> Oh, I imported that on DVD for an exorbitant price, and but, but, I was fucking robbed. At least they're back on track now, so... <laughs> hopefully, yeah, and, and hopefully this leads to more as well, because I just think that, yeah, you know, they've got the right people involved. Yeah, and it's a big enough it's a big enough universe that they've now created, yeah, that they could still keep... I mean, this has been proof that they can still keep adding to the, adding to the lore of it and making it interesting mm. without having to... Yeah, go on all these weird offshoots that make no sense or <laughs> yeah matter. Really. So that they have safely got their hooks back in you. Yes, and nice. I think, it's, but and it's a nicely sort of they've re- made them nicely sort of wrong again, rather because mm. that's the weirdest thing with all the sequels is where it becomes like a moral thing where it's like, oh, mm. Pinhead's there to say, hey, it, it basically becomes it's a wonderful life. Hey, look at all the bad things you've done in your life, and it's like. Pinhead wouldn't give a fuck. He just wants to tie your dick to your face and fucking <laughs> stick something up your bum. That's that's what he, he's all about. That's, he don't care what moral you know, base you've just, you've just done a good segue into my next one. Hey. Oh, yeah. Go on then. All right. <laughs> you can't just I, leave I, it there. I thought I needed I needed authority to to <laughs> set me off. Uh, so um so talking about the moral element. Um, I love a moral choice in a story. I've been watching Cabinet of Curiosities, the first episode. Oh, so I, yes. At lot 36. And it has set me up for happily planning to watch the uh, following episodes. Um, but yeah, I like it. So, so it's it's not... Can I, can uh, I just, can I just suggest that maybe we take a quick break and come back from, with Cabinet of Curiosities in a second? To, to hear from our sponsor? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, to hear from our sponsor. We'll just get someone on this there saying, oh, I wanted to get five quid off them. <laughs> so. Right, let's take a quick break and we shall return shortly. And we're back. We hope you enjoyed your getting a beer or having a piss or whatever you decided to do with your uh, interlude. Um, and we are back to discuss. Uh... Go on, Chris. The Cabinet of Curiosities by Guillermo del Toro. Lot 36. Yes. First yes. episode. So I've only seen the first episode, but mm-hmm. my impression is that you both may have seen some more. I've seen all but the last one. Oh, that's oh, exciting. I have seen all of them. Nice one. Okay. Well, yeah. I'll I'll get started on the first, and then perhaps you can talk a little bit about the others without too many spoilers this time. Of course, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, right. So back to the, the moral choice. I like a moral choice in a story, um, <laughs> especially when it's a, a racist, immoral white dude getting his comeuppance by a, a Lovecraftian tentacle weird monster thing yeah there you go that's basically tell me that's the uh the aim of this story and i'll, I'll be right there <laughs> I, I think it pretty much is yeah. um but no i i was I've getting been... beat up a bit halfway through as well you know? yeah yeah but i have been i've been very impressed i mean the one thing i will say is i've seen a lot of people talking about it because obviously mm, okay. uh, gilmero del toro uh, introduces each segment. Mm. Now, any any other anthology series or whatever like that that have said, "Cool, it's very much in the vein of uh, 
Rod Serling in the Twilight Zone. All I've heard people say is, oh, it's very much like Alfred Hitchcock Presents. And all I can think is, you're thinking a fat bloke has told you this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, that's what you're going with. These, but, these, um, are, these are deep thinkers. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. We're here to right those wrongs. <laughs> but um, no, I thought I thought Lot 36 was a really good and great. strong opener. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, I'm definitely great acting, great style, you know. Yeah, because the, the, the main guy in that was in um, the TV version of uh, the TV sequel to Watchmen. So this is Tim Blake okay. Nelson, yeah, yeah, the, um, Nick yeah. Appleton. And he, he plays. Played... So I've I haven't seen him before that I know of, but yeah, go on. So. Yeah, he was, but he was really, really good in that. He was, mm. but basically, he was kind of a Rorschach figure, mm. but 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 not the the sort of bad end of Rorschach, if you see what I mean. He kind of had that same sort of feel to him, and then he was like, and then you sort of watched it, it was like, oh no, he's not just gone Travis Bickle and just become just vile you know so um but it was um no i i really enjoyed that at first i thought it was going to be um the bram stoker mummy story Mm. Mm. um and i'm glad it wasn't because i've got a whole new story that i just really enjoyed (laughs) and uh yeah no i I, and the because the director of that one was i believe navarro yeah, I believe he's Guillermo del Toro's uh, cinematographer. Yes, well, yeah. So that's it. So he did Pan's Labyrinth cinematographer for Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now that I, mean, I think is the only Guillermo del Toro film I've seen still. Well, we need to write that. Yeah, well, yeah. So, so I'm pretty sure you know I, I did plan to watch Shape of Water, and I know it wasn't Lee's favorite, but. I felt like there was something there that looked interesting that I'd probably still quite like to have seen, whether ultimately I like it or not. Um, but yeah, I'm sure there's quite a few that I should probably be watching, and hopefully this will be the the trigger point to to do that. We as may it, even need to cover some of his stuff on the show, to be honest. Mm, yeah, definitely. As, and the thing is, as as I said to you uh, earlier, you know, um, it wasn't that I disliked The Shape of Water. I mm. just you know, when it came out and everyone it, it hit the mainstream and everyone it, it was pretty big, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you guys have no idea. The stuff you did before this, yeah. like yeah. you know, Devil's Backbone and the Orphanage and stuff, mm. they are ten times better. I was like, Shape of Water's all right, it's passable, mm. but it's other yeah, in comparison, yeah. yeah, incredible. It's it's back to that music musical analogy though. It's like being into a band for ages and then they release a song that Goes to number one. Yes, big, yeah. Like, but, but you're like it's so like lacking. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I'll right. tell you what. Someone played to me um, Phil Collins before he was in Genesis, and it was like that is amazing. And I've never cared much for Phil Collins. Uh, he's great, but it's just not my thing. But I was like, this is really impressive for how old it is. I think also. Well, I mean, his stuff. Um, like, I think. That's uh, Wes is a real uh, Westy uh, from as yet unexplained. Oh I'm yes, and, yeah. And, I think uh, new just series released. coming. And, yeah. yeah, should be up now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Moss Eisley. Uh, he, yeah. um, I think, I'm pretty sure I'm right in quoting him that actually the first album without Peter Gabriel, with Phil Collins singing Art of Genesis, right? Okay, um, is actually his favourite, or certainly one of the best. Mm-hmm. Um, of Genesis's early album, so yeah, you know, I think it's just it sort of turned into a muddy tosser. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like I was just went a bit ordinary and then divorced someone by fax, and you're like, hey, yeah, that's lost. That's less lost than impressive, charm, you know. Really, yeah. you know. But I, um, yeah, so I've seen, so I've seen. Uh, there's two Lovecraft adaptions in there, mm-hmm. which I have to say are probably not not necessarily the weakest, but I think it's just because I know them, mm. so yeah, they just okay. didn't make as much of a quite. impact, you know. That being said, Crispin Glover is absolutely first, right? as he always is, because if mm. you need someone to be really, really <laughs> fucking weird, 
just book him and you know you're onto a winner, really. So, but there you go again. We're back to that thing of what what would most people know Crispin Glover for? And it's like being the hapless dad in Back to the Future. And it's actually, yeah, his least sinister role. Yeah. Because quite frankly, in everything else, he makes your fucking skin crawl. (laughs) (laughs) And he, yeah, so he he was very good in um, uh, Pickman's model. Um, The Dreams in the Witch House, I enjoyed because it's got uh, Blakey from Harry Potter in it. Mm, I can't think of his name. Ron Weasley. Yeah, thank you. Ron, Ron, well, you said Ron more easily, and Claire said Rupert Grint. So, yeah, there we go. Um, and not and doing a, a good American accent. You know, I didn't sort of. Yeah. I thought he was really good. I was really surprised mm. at how good he was in this because I don't think I've seen him in a lot since the Harry Potter movies, which I am a self-confessed massive fan of on a secret yeah. level. Um, I, don't, I, watch, I don't think I he has done much in the run up to Christmas. Yeah, no. He's he... done sort of like some more obscure sort of stuff. I just, I think it's just not stuff that's as well known, really. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that had, I mean, certainly that had some amazing uh, stuff in that. I mean, that rivaled Sleepy Hollow in terms of a, st- mm. or excuse me, a studio forest. Yeah. But I thought that looked really oh, good. That's good. I'll be honest, I think I prefer the Masters of Horror adaption of Dreams of the Witch House. Mm, that was good. But, because I was sitting there thinking, you know, it's a bit of a funny one to do, and then I was like, oh yeah, that was fucking 20 years ago, or whatever it was that Masters <laughs> of Horror came out. Yeah. So, maybe, you know, it's not as weird to suddenly As it is in your head. Like, in my head, it was five yeah. years ago. Yeah. Well, I only you know. watched Masters of Horror last year, so yeah, it's still very fresh to me, but <laughs> yeah. I, I did think the, the visuals of the witch, not to give anything away, was mm. absolutely terrifying. Like, it's it's mm, got to be one of the creepiest things I've seen on TV in a long time. Yeah. And I think actually my favourite has, the favourite of what I've seen so far has probably been the autopsy. Oh, okay. I thought you would have gone br- for the viewing. I like the viewing and it's Panos Cosmos, uh, Cosmatos who did um, Mandy and yeah. Beyond the Black uh, Rainbow. Yeah. And, and it's got... Um, not Paul Weller, Peter Weller. Peter Weller, the I one who doesn't have got the Paul fuck Weller off. In <laughs> He's got Peter Weller, who smells lovely mm. and is no way, shape or form a wanker. <laughs> so th- this is it, isn't it? You know this episode goes up on Sunday and then Monday they find like 20 bodies under his fucking yeah. house or something. <laughs> You know that's how it's going to play out. But, um, no, I really enjoyed the viewing. I thought it was amazing. But and that for doctor, me, I, I spent – I refused to get my phone out. I was like, I definitely know that actor. And I was like, I've seen oh, her in something. Sophia and, Yeah, and I, just, and I was like, it will come to me, it will come to me, it will come to me. She was the mummy in the Tom Cruise, yeah. the mummy. She so, was also – She was also. I don't know if you've seen it, but um, she also was the no-legged assassin in – Kingsman. Ah, uh, I have seen that, but it was entirely forgettable on every yeah. level. And the weirdest thing was, is because she's got in that they've obviously CGI'd them, but she's got blade legs. Yeah, uh, that part was originally offered to um, I can't think of his name, Oscar Pistorius. Uh oh. Mm. And they were like, you know, do you want to come in and play a murderer? Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't think I'm up to it. Don't you, mate? <laughs> Right. Fucking leave that there. Yeah, yeah, they were lucky with that one. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed all the stories. I thought mm. the thing I, I, <laughs> I, I did enjoy all the stories, but I'm currently looking at them on IMDb, and one of them I don't actually remember what happened mm. at all. So I think I might have even missed one at this rate. Which one's that? Uh, it's uh, the outside. The that was the one with the skin cream. Yeah, it's not ringing so any bells. I only watched it last week. If that doesn't week, ring a so... bell, then you've not you've probably not watched it. Um, that was a good episode as well. That was because that had that weird thing of even though you know that someone is moving into an area that's bad for them and they shouldn't be trying to be become this thing, hmm. you're kind of pleased for them when they do, even though it's like, you know, oh, no, you've sold yourself into this 
awful sort of position. Mm. I won't go further than that, but you'll understand me. It's funnier <laughs> than that maze it sound, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, but that was um, that's also directed by um, Anna Lily Amapur, who did uh, Girl Walks Home Alone at Night and oh, nice. The Bad Batch. And um, yeah, no, I that 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 one again, I thought was really good. But yeah, I think the autopsy was the one that really picked it for me. I just it's weird because it's it's almost like it's quite nice having something that sort of sits there that just feels this felt very kind of old school. I don't know if it, it was just like no, mm. this is just about doing the stories. It's not we're updating this or we're trying to find. We're trying to sell this as anything other than here's a showcase each week of a short story. Mm. And that really is, you know, the beauty of it. But it reminded me of a lot of the great ones from the 80s and stuff like that, I think. Yeah. yeah. And So yeah. is he planning to do more? Do we know? Not sure. I mean, as far as I'm aware, it's been quite, it's certainly been, I don't, I think everything I've seen online is people saying how much they've enjoyed it. Mm. Um, but I don't know what the uptake is like. Actually, that's not true because I was trying to remember how to spell his name the other day just to make sure I was spelling it correctly. And um, it, Google defaulted to Cabinet of Curiosities when I got halfway through Gilmero. Nice. So it's obviously that's been quite a lot. Yeah. You know, it's obviously been looked at a lot. Um, and um, but yeah, no, I, the viewing. I have to say. For the line, well, thanks for the space coke, but <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I mean, obviously, I really enjoyed that, but I, I also, like I say, I think it was just because the autopsy was something entirely different for me, yeah. Whereas that, but the viewing was great because it was this is exactly what I want Panos Cosmos to be doing, yeah, and um, yeah, I think that worked really well, and and actually, again weird when you a lot of these things where it's like oh well done because you've made me like the people involved yeah you know again even regardless of if they're being a knob in some way or whatever like that <laughs> but yeah no i sort of i'm i'm down with these people you know um but yeah fun. we've so I'm glad you say that because, again, this has now rolled me into my last choice. Mm. Um, it wasn't going to be my last choice, but we uh, we have had some good ones that have kept us talking. So it, I will make yeah. it my last choice so we can uh, get out of it sometime <laughs> tonight. Um, every year in the run-up to Halloween, I force poor Lady Jennifer to watch Night of the Demons. Mm. This year, I thought I would give her a reprieve and make her watch Night of the Demons 2, which she <laughs> never seen. Um, I'm glad I didn't preempt you by because I thought that's the best joke I can think of at this point. So you made a watch Night of the Demons too, and you did. So well yeah. <laughs> now, um, now we saw Night of the Demons, didn't we? We did. Uh, uh, yeah. Yes. That's that's one where we've got a funny cast of characters, pretty Stooge. much as you'd expect. Stooge. Stooge has and... got um, naughty dancing by the fire. Yeah, mm. they have uh, lips, in it. Lipstick yeah. up a nipple, you know. Yeah. And um it's got it's a rom through a haunted house. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, so so right. Go on. Got, so Night of the Demons 2 is mm. very much a similar story. Yeah, okay. So Fair it enough. follows Angela's sister, who is now at a convent school, mm. um, and uh one of the girls is a bit of a troublemaker and basically sneaks her sister out to take her unbeknownst to her to the house where her sister disappeared mm. all those years ago um, with another group to have a very similar party. <laughs> um, the reason it plays into what we were just saying um, is the one of the characters in it that always stands out for me. Um, when they get to the house, there's a, it's basically this heavy metal boyfriend picks them all up and takes them there in his car. He's a mm. dick. And when they get there, his friend is there who is an even bigger dick. 
<laughs> and it's that almost Guillermo del Toro thing of every time he comes on screen, he makes me cringe. He's a fantastic actor, and I've seen him in other stuff. But his character in this is the prick at every party <laughs> that I used to go to in the early 90s, I think. Mm-hmm. Like that person who thinks they're wacky and a bit scary and you just spend the whole party being in every fucking room that they're not because you cannot stand <laughs> the fucking sight of them. Um, and he just does it so well that it it's the one thing I always think. Should we watch Night of the Demons 2? Oh, I'd have to sit through fucking Z-Boy again. Drive me mad. Um, Z-Boy? Z-Boy is the character. Yeah, and like. immediately he's got a fucking irritating name. So, yeah, yeah. well done. Uh, and he's got a great big mushroom hair. Um, tied back in like a big ponytail and he's just an absolute bell end. Um, but as you'd expect from one of those films, he gets it. So it's, it's mm. worth watching. Um, it's really, it, it really is. It's a really great follow up. It's six years later, um, which is part of the reason Jennifer had such a difficult time about halfway through. She went, it's a shame they couldn't get Angela back. And I was like, that is Amelia Kincaid. That is a, uh, Angela from the first one. She went, no, it isn't. I was like, <laughs> it definitely is. She was like, there's a hundred percent. There's no way that's her. So afterwards I had to bring it up on IMDb and prove it to her. And she was like, has she had work done? Is she, but all it is in, we worked out. So in the first one, obviously, cause she plays like a punk chick, she's got the big hair and mm. the, all the blusher and the contouring and stuff. Well, in the second one, she just got her normal black hair in like long ringlets and sort of quite a soft, natural makeup. Mm. And because it's six years later, it does look like an entirely different person. So it's amazing how much she changes. So they managed to keep her and Jennifer was absolutely convinced it definitely couldn't be her. Um, (laughs) But it's great. And it's like you were saying earlier about movies with great soundtracks in them. At one point, uh, the nuns leave the party at the nunnery they immediately all get the booze out and start dancing to Morbid Angel, which is <laughs> a bad thing, really. I mean, can't go wrong with that, can you? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's great. It's just, it's another story to get all of them back in there and allow Angela, but this time she manages to, not only does she attack people in the house, she manages uh, by use of the lipstick from the first movie to escape from the house, which is a terrible plot device, but I, I love it because it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, and then uh, goes on a rampage in the in the uh, convent school. Um, yeah, it's really good fun. It's it's a really good as kind of eighties to nineties sequels go. It's definitely one of the better ones. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a third one which we will be watching next Halloween, um, and I remember it not being as good it's definitely the law of diminishing returns with this series um mm. but I, I enjoyed it enough um if and if they made a fourth one now i'd still watch it especially if amelia kincaid's in it so it's getting, getting a bit of hell Rosa. yeah <laughs> but yeah it's, it's definitely although, although i can't imagine there's people out there with like scripts and someone said if you just put in Unfortunately, I think that's possibly why it took so long uh, for Night of the Demons 2 to come out. Because obviously Night of the Demons came out and wasn't a massive hit. It sort of flopped quite badly. Um, so I think it took a long time to get its sort of cult following. Yeah, picked and up once, on video sort of thing. Exactly. And then once it did, they then went into production with Night of the Demons 2. Yeah. So like I say, it's like six years in between them. Um but yeah, mm. I, I don't think it damages it at all. I think it, it, yeah, it works quite well. It's kind of not quite a new generation, but it's got enough of a gap that it doesn't feel like it's following directly on. Yeah, yeah, because you because yeah, obviously it's Night of the Demon is no more. Was it's Night of the Demon eighty four? Uh, no, so Night of the Night of the Demon is is eighty eight, and Night of oh, the right, Demon okay. two is ninety four. So yeah. Oh, so there we go. Yeah, but it's so at least you've, like you say, you've young people have moved on somewhat. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you see different young people being murdered terribly. <laughs> um, yes, so that's my watching. Uh, before we go, Adam, you went to an event which is uh very much horror adjacent and is something that we're massive fans of here, uh, which you wanted to mention. 
Yes, I went to see at the Prince Charles Cinema. Um, it was a, uh, I spent uh, an afternoon with a true titan of horror. <laughs> I think of him as the Orson Welles of horror. Not just because of his time. Um, yes, I saw um, I saw a, a Q&A and book launch with Garth Marenghi. Yes. Uh, A.K.A. Matt Holness. He was Garth Marenghi. He was in character mm. for the signing. Right. He was in character for Q&A. Awesome. Um, it was it, the weirdest thing because it was the Prince Charles Cinema, and you know what a bugger they are anyway mm. for selling out really quick because it's not yeah. it's, it's not a huge fucking uh, venue, you know. Um, and um, yeah, they announced it. They announced it, and I was like, "Oh, I'm off that week." Mm. And I tried to get tickets, and they said on Wednesday, member uh, tickets for members are available, and then on Friday uh, for the general public. Uh, got to Friday, clicked on this, straight, sold out during the members thing. Damn. Okay. Mm-hmm. And obviously demand, they got so much demand for it that then about a week later they announced, oh, we're going to do an earlier show as well. So uh-huh. they did two in, they've done, they did two in the day and that, that was, and again, I was off work and it was like, and it's the fucking <laughs> afternoon, I can be back by tea. Yeah, you know? nice. And um, yeah, managed to, um, managed to, Fuck, man, even that was a struggle because when they went up, it was like, that seat is no longer available. That seat is no longer available. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Oh, you bastards, how are you doing this? Yeah. <laughs> how are you gazumping my seats? Yeah, I and, think there's um, only like 300 seats or something in there. Mm. I was looking at it recently because I think it's 300 downstairs and 100 upstairs or something similar. Yeah, the, the um, upstairs is very is very small. It's, it's great up there. I saw Mandy up there, but it's, yeah, it's... it. You really notice the difference between that and the downstairs, and the downstairs is hardly like packed. That's just a that's a standard old cinema. Yeah, you know, it's not even sort of it's not even like a multiplex cinema sort of size or whatever like that. And um, but yeah, so uh, uh, he was interviewed by someone from uh, Final Girls uh, uh, podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, basically, yeah, he came out in character. And was just a marvelously hilarious bumptious ass for the whole of the <laughs> and it's and I have to say, top marks to Matt Holness because it's such a especially because they did a QA at the end of it. Mm. And to remain in character, improvise, but also some a character like Garth Marenghi, it would not be out of character for him to get insulted and storm out. Mm. So yeah. to manage to tread that line, um, you know, and sort of, uh, you know, sort of keep it funny and good and entertaining, but also, you know, remaining true to the character. Yeah, it was just fucking great. And um, and I got my book signed. Mm, so, excellent. And, uh, yeah. so what is the book? Uh, the book is Terror Tone and very fittingly for a show as obsessed with anthologies as we are. It's uh, three stories, um, all of them about... He's, he's obviously, he's doing a Stephen King here because it's uh, uh, basically, yeah, um, uh, three stories all about a horror writer and his experiences. And, um, yeah, it's... Um, uh, at one point, uh, one of the stories apparently is him becoming involved sexually and in an unhealthy relationship with his own typewriter and <laughs> yeah um yeah so that's going on be, my christmas list i think that yeah book, i'm that i'm, I'm cracking i'm cracking into it as soon as as soon as i finished um tomato cane i'm uh crashing right into it oh, excuse me and um but yeah he um no it was just a thoroughly entertaining thing and the book is out there and it's uh, apparently there is also because a few people were saying um it's uh, been. It's come out on Audible, and it's Garth reading it as well. Oh, so it's him that's reading even the book. better. Yeah, because there was because I mean that was there was just loads of lovely sort of bits and pieces. One thing that I really loved is at one point he was talking about other horror authors, and it was well, you know, I know Stephen King, Jim <laughs> Herbert, and it was just the Jim that was perfect <laughs> for like you know just like a sort of arrogant name drop. <laughs> Not James, Jim Herbert, you know, I know him. And um, 
Um, but I think probably my favourite thing of the whole evening was he said, well, I'm going to do a reading from the book for you. And he was flicking through trying to find his space and then just went silent for a minute and just went, huh, actually, that's brilliant. And, <laughs> and kept reading through. Oh, man, it was, yeah, it was great. And it was just great to see Matt Holness out and about doing stuff. And, yeah, and I'm really looking forward to reading the book, so. Fantastic! That uh, sounds amazing. I was so glad you. I saw you'd mentioned it on Instagram because I was like, "That's it. This is the reason I have to now start watching this again." Because it's like <laughs> every so often I think I really should do that, and it's like just don't quite do it. And I was so glad I've started to. Just the amount of one-line jokes that are just so <laughs> so good. It's well, just that, endless. That, that evening when I got back, uh, I'd also been to the horror exhibition at Somerset House, mm. which is like a. It's not it's not horror in the sense of it's not an exhibition about horror, but it's an exhibition about horror being used in uh, like counterculture, like stuff like punk and industrial. And mm. but they had mm. some really cool stuff there. They had like the book from Prevenge, you know, her baby book. Oh, oh. Um, they had the um, they had the converse from Saint Maud with the wow. pins and the Jesus face in it and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> As well as um, they had the the first pilot script for Dark Place, oh excellent, um, and things. But yeah, and just loads of really cool sort of, especially like the punk stuff. There was like, and even like they had the spitting image puppet of Thatcher, <laughs> um, which was great. But yeah, so that's that's going on at Somerset House. So I went I went mm. to that. Then I went to Garth Pringy because it was only like twenty minutes away. Um, and then when I got back, uh, me and Claire just rewatched Garth Marenghi. Did the whole series that night. Yeah, so. that is a, amazing. And that's what I love about that. I did it with Man to Man with Dean Lerner recently, um, which again has the Garth Marenghi episode. Because they're the same, because they're only about 25 minutes long and there's only six in a season. Mm. You can smash through it in as you know the same amount of time as a Marvel movie. So, yeah, yeah. you can really... Oh, and yeah, coming back to that after all that time. Uh, well, not after all that time, but just I hadn't seen it in a while. Mm -hmm. And I think it was Claire's first proper viewing oh, yeah. um, of it. Because she'd seen Man to Man, but she'd, so she knew bits of Garth Marenghi, but hadn't actually sat and watched it. So, Also, and this is just something we need to mention, she's finally watched Shaun of the Dead. Oh, that is very fun. I was just about to try and squeeze in talking about the uh, Cornetto trilogy. What did uh, Claire make of it? Well, Claire, what did you think? It was nice to see Simon Pegg good again. There we go. <laughs> it was, yeah, because, I, I mean, basically, I was like, it's more spaced. That's what you've got here. Yeah. And, um, spaced to zombies, yeah. <clears throat> well, the reason I was going to bring it up, controversial as it may be, with the last statement, I have had to reevaluate my... Uh, uh, my rating on those three movies. Mm. Although they're, they're all outstanding movies... I this weekend rewatched uh, The World's End, which oh, yes. I think I've only watched once, maybe twice since I saw it at the cinema. Um, I I honestly think I prefer it now to Shaun of the Dead. So, wow. so Hot Fuzz, Hot <laughs> Fuzz is one of my faves because I could watch that at any time and it's always amazing. And then The World's End, I, I think it's just the character he plays. I like the depth he put into it. And yeah, it was more than I was expecting. I was expecting how, it to be a more one-dimensional character. How many watches have you had of it? What, of the World's End, I yeah. think that was probably my fault. Fault, right? Okay. Yeah, whereas I, Shaun of the Dead, I've probably seen half a, a dozen times. Shaun of the Dead, I've definitely seen. Pro actually, I've probably seen Hot Fuzz the most, like you say, because it's just one of those ones that's like I can just watch this at any point because it's yeah. fucking great. Shaun of the Dead. At one point was I can watch this at any point, but I think I'd just watched it so much that it was like, no, I don't see. Need that's to. it. So I've only seen it, I think, three times, and the last two times were ages ago. So when I watched it again, it was like I'm amazed how good this still is, mm. and and it's one of those things that still feels new, but yeah. it's like mm. it could have aged badly. No, it really hasn't. Right, but so, I... so in the next twenty years, if I manage to watch Hot Fuzz and World's End <laughs> some more, maybe I'll change my view. See, I need I need to watch World's End again because I think I've only seen it twice, mm. maybe. And I remember 
I remember Dean, uh, former former guest and mm. brother of Lee, brother-in-law of Chris. S- slightly um, important person. Yeah. Slightly important, but SIP. <laughs> that's what I'm going to claim. That's what I, that's the section I need to be in in every club. I'm a slightly important person. <laughs> um, but when, when he said about it, he said that he felt that Simon Pegg and Nick Frost were playing the wrong roles. Mm. Like he thought, and I could understand what he meant because I think normally Simon Pegg would be the straight laced one. Yeah. And yeah, uh, Nick Frost is the out there one. That so maybe Simon Pegg just decided, fuck this, he's not going um, north. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just, I really enjoyed it. And I think it is one of those that does get better with subsequent viewings. Um, mm. So, and yeah. apparently it went downhill after that. <laughs> it did indeed. I thought, oh, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed. Oh, Paul was before that. though, was anyway. Sorry. Yeah. Um, we, we, the clock is ticking, and we have to mm. tell you what we're doing next. Um, Adam, would you like to announce what we're doing next? Okay, so November is inside number nine. November. Um, yeah, that's it looks right. Better we, written down. It looks much better written down. <laughs> um, We've um, we realised that there's the, the the five in there from from November makes a Roman numeral five, so we've selected the five pro- what we described as kind of proper horror episodes of Inside Number Nine, and that's what we'll be doing. So next episode we are doing uh, the Riddle of the Sphinx and Stakeout, oh. and then we'll be doing three more on the episode after that. So. Go and check those out. If you're in the UK, obviously, they're all on the BBC iPlayer, so they're nice and easy to get your hands on. Um, Yes, and we will be back in a fortnight's time to discuss those. Thanks so much for listening. Good night. Good night. Good night. Fuck Paul Weller. (laughs) Love Pete Weller. Thank you.